Postmodern Art Podcast, the podcast dedicated to giving artists who are wowing the world over the platform they deserve. I am your host, Nathan Raglan, and today's episode, well, it's anything but normal. Today we have Will Wood, a musician with whimsical wordplay and a wealth of styles for days. This artist was recommended to me by my wonderful producer, Tipsy J. Hearts, so I decided to bring her on to help out with this podcast. Nevertheless, this was a fun interview and one of the most surreal ones to have, and I hope you all enjoy. If you do enjoy, like and share the podcast and comment your favorite part. Also, if you missed the announcement last week, we've launched some new merch for Pride Month and beyond. Link to those will be in the description. Also, if you enjoy this podcast and want a place to talk about it, join the Apocalypse Podcast Network Discord server to discuss more about this podcast and others in this amazing network. In fact... Let's hear about another outstanding podcast in the Apocalypse Podcast Network. Let's teach people something super quick. Every year, uh, more people die from getting hit on the head with coconuts than they do from shark attacks. (laughs) (laughs) Like dead dead? It's not that many because like only like one or two people I think die from shark attacks every year. The low teens for the coconuts. Coconuts are hard. Teach, teach me something, something good. good. Now on your local favorite podcast thing. <laughs> yeah, all podcasting. And now, without further ado, please enjoy the Postmodern Art Podcast. Hey, there we go. There we go. Hey, how's it going? Doing wonderful. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. You're Nathan? I am Nathan, yes. Uh, my... Uh, co- produce, co-producer Tipsy uh, Maria, she'll be in the call here in a second. She had to take care of, I think, mic issues or something like that. But she'll be in the call before too long. Uh, well, nice to meet you, Nathan. It's a pleasure to meet you as well. Seriously, this is this is actually quite an honor. <laughs> uh, I I know we'll definitely go a little bit more depth with it into the podcast, but uh, Maria, you should be thanking her for introducing me to you because I had never heard of your stuff beforehand. But like, especially ever since I heard all your stuff, especially the normal album, your music has been stuck in my head all week long <laughs> thank you i'm glad you like it um yeah, when uh, maria uh enters the call i'll make sure to uh thank her as well but thank you both for having me on this uh podcast well thank you for taking time out of your day to do this seriously i i, I can only imagine with how hectic life can be at times you know i really do appreciate the fact that you're willing to set some time aside to sit down and chat it's like i said it's an honor well um I got a kick out of doing these. Well, there you go. You know, um, so it's, it's not like it's a chore on my end. I, I can tell at times I, I was actually, when I was doing my research for you, I saw a couple of videos of some of the appearances you've made, including a compilation video someone made of what was it like just you being chaotic for five minutes, which I absolutely loved. <laughs> there she is. Hey, Maria. Hi. How's it going? It's going good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you for showing up. There you go. There you go. Uh, let's see. Where do we want to go with this? How do we want to start this? Oh, what was I going to say? Um, <laughs> words are wonderful, aren't they? <laughs> You've been, oh, my God. <laughs> Even with the standard discussion. Um, I was going to say, if it's okay with you, I have been recording this little intro bit or whatnot. Is it okay if I include this, Will, as part of the uh, intro to the podcast as well? Uh, well, if I say no. Uh, <laughs> um, if, you, uh, if you say no, I just cut oh, straight yeah. to the icebreaker question. 
would have been funny if you kept it and you kept me saying no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, The part where he just says no and then the icebreaker happens. There you go. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Me saying no, smash cut. That's your cold open right there. All right, Will, before we get started, I must ask the icebreaker question I ask for every single podcast. What is your most unpopular art opinion? Oh, jeez. Good Lord. That was quick. Just immediately, just, just, just immediately go straight into getting me canceled. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, at the very least, I tried to go with this one at first so that every other question seems is simple my, in comparison. Um, my most unpopular art opinion. Oh, I like that. I really like that. Um, I don't know what my most unpopular art opinion is, um, but I do find myself rather disappointed with the current state of the way we talk about the arts in general right now through this lens where we don't allow ourselves to enjoy things unironically and we don't allow ourselves to enjoy things without simultaneously criticizing not only the thing we're enjoying but ourselves as we do so. Um, You know, it's like we're all so wrapped up in... Uh, it, it seems to me like we're all trying to uh, get ahead of the art we consume. Like we're all trying to be one step ahead of the art, um, trying to uh, you know, get in front of it and um, sort of beat it in a weird sort of way. Um, and I think that that's, uh, that's something that I, uh, you know, that I, I find a little frustrating now and again, because I, I like to get, sucked into things. I like to believe what I'm looking at and what I'm listening to. I like to let it beat me um, and allow myself to be moved by the art as opposed to trying to get into the the sort of, um, I don't know. I, I do it myself with a lot of uh, my work, at least outside of my music, is um, I, I, I think... How do I put it? I try to be self-aware with it before there's even anything to be self-aware of. Like, I feel like we kind of skip the substance sometimes and go straight into the commentary. And I think that that's a habit that a lot of artists are falling into because maybe at times it's a good way for an artist to feel like they got ahead of criticism, like they kind of beat their audience to the punch, um, of calling out whatever is a flaw in what they made. And I think partially because we all want to be the smartest and best and most progressive and forward and open-minded artist we can. And so we're all trying to break the fourth wall and then break the wall that says we shouldn't acknowledge that we're breaking the fourth wall and see how many iterations of uh, detached irony we can put between ourselves and our work or the work of others. Am I babbling? I feel like I'm not really making much sense, but... No, it, um, I mean, it, it completely makes a lot of sense. I mean, mm-hmm. um, feel free to correct me, but it's like, um, it's like, say, for example, I make a, a little dot in the center of the canvas, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, this is um, this is a meaning about uh, what my political stance is. Uh, this is how I view how the world is not flat, and... Um, how we're all just uh, little specks in a void and stuff. And I'm just trying to be deep about something, but I just keep 
I just don't um, embrace just the simple things in a yeah. way. Yeah. Um, I think that there's also just, um, you know, I enjoy modern art. I like art that seeks to question what art is and should be. But I also like to just be sometimes. I think that um, sometimes we get kind of caught up in big ideas and lofty shit and, uh, you know, uh, trying to put ourselves above it that sometimes our work suffers from it and sometimes our ability to enjoy others' work suffers from it. Um, that being said, I like lofty shit too, so I don't know. I'm, I'm not entirely sure what I'm saying at this point. Um, I, I, but, I mean, uh, you were going to say something. <laughs> I was just going to say, no, nope. I, I, on my end, I completely get what you're talking about. It's like people are trying as hard as they can to like define art and like trying to make it like seem so much deeper than it actually is. When at the end of the day, it's like, just let the person express themselves the way they want to. Don't try to come up with some 20 different entendre of, you know, how, like what uh, Maria's example was of having just a simple dot and a simple canvas. Like at the end of the day, like it's just art. This person's expressing themselves. Let them express themselves and yeah, have your own interpretation, but like, don't make it seem like that's the only interpretation. Your interpretation is king among others. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, but also I think um, something just kind of hit me um, uh, because I feel like I actually do have a more concrete answer mm -hmm. to the initial question. Um, this actually, I think, is my most unpopular uh, opinion on art. And that is that not only. Uh, do I think that it is likely not entirely possible to separate artwork and artist? But I don't like doing it, no matter what. William S. Burroughs lined up his wife in front of him in Tijuana. He said, put the apple on your head, we're doing the William Tell routine, and shot her square in the forehead, and I fucking love that. <laughs> that is, that's, that's my most unpopular opinion about the arts, is that the fact that William S. Burroughs was a sociopath and a monster who murdered his wife in cold blood for no apparent reason makes his art all the more fascinating for me. And so that's my most unpopular opinion about art, is that I love, I love freaks. <laughs> I love the people who uh, insane, wild, monstrous stories uh, just make their work, to me, all the more interesting because you get to see inside the mind of some of the most bizarre human beings out there. And that's just like, it's almost like going to a funhouse, sort of, you know, I really enjoy that kind of thing. Up until a certain point, we all have our lines, but yeah right but but still if nothing else like a story like that and with an artist like that goodness that's <laughs> i need i need to look more to his work um, <laughs> um i'm like why was yeah. i not well, taught this oh yeah um the uh uh william s burroughs is uh liking william s burroughs might also be another one of my unpopular art opinions um e even if you go past the fact that he was a uh clearly some kind of monster um Maybe not. I don't know. I'm not going to make that call. Who am I? But um, even though he is at least some kind of very <laughs> terrible, uh, crazy, crazy guy, uh, uh, regardless of whether or not he was, uh, you read Naked Lunch. I mean, uh, that book is definitely a monster, if not the author as well. Um, that is a 
monstrous, monstrous book. I can only imagine. It might not be one I can find my local library, though, so I'll definitely have to knock that down. But uh, I, I, I think you could. I mean, you definitely could. It's a pretty historical piece of work. I mean, um, definitely a big turning point for obscenity law in uh, our culture. Um, because, I mean, what got William S. Burroughs to Tijuana in the first place was to escape being arrested for naked lunch. Um, because the book was so offensive and so grotesque that, I mean, the government went after him for it. So um, it definitely is interesting. It has a historical uh, significance as well. I'm sorry. I'm totally rambling no, here. Um, you're perfectly fine. I'm just going to go like, ahead and just write down his name as a future guest to have on the podcast. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, William S. Burroughs. Get him, uh, Ginsburg, Thompson. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Uh, but nevertheless, William S. Burroughs and also interpretation of art. Those are hills that you're willing to die on. Um, William S. Burroughs Hill, I think I'll die on. Okay. Uh, the other one, I'm not. Sh I think that that the point I was making may have been a bit too abstract for my own. Con I, I don't know if I'm confident in what I was saying before. I'm not sure if I even fully understand the words that were coming out of my mouth as I was saying them. I think sometimes I get ahead of myself and just start babbling. So, um, uh, but definitely the other one. Yeah, I'll die on that hill. I was gonna say either oh, way. Sorry. Either way, you're dying on the hill. That's all that matters. Um, <laughs> no, with that, with that, I cannot think of a better way to start the postmodern art podcast. Welcome everyone. I'm your host Nathan Raglan. As joined by my producer today, Maria, would you like to introduce yourself real quick? Hi, I'm uh, Tipsy J. Hearts. Also, my real name is Maria. I probably should have introduced myself like that first. Uh, I'm a producer for the podcast show. Yay. Um, with us today... Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, subscribe and follow whatever streaming platform you prefer. Uh, merch is available in the link below. And uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram for future updates and guest announcements, including today's guest... <laughs> He is an avant pop musician. Uh, uh, what the hell did I just say? He is an avant pop musician with a wealth of different styles in his arsenal. Whose 2020 album, The Normal Album, earned widespread love for its musical prowess. He is also a filmmaker, artist, and anything but normal. Welcome to the podcast, Will Wood. How you doing today, Will? Hey, how's it going, guys? Uh, thanks for having me on the show. Well, thank you for taking time every day to sit down and chat. I know Maria's a huge fan. I'm a huge fan, so it's just an honor for us to sit down and chat. Oh, look who's a, who's a fan now. <laughs> Don't know how many times I've been peer pressuring him to like listen to like all your albums. I'm like, dude, like you need to sit down and listen to this dude's like albums and stuff. And I was not accepting a no as an answer. Well, it's not like I wasn't going to. I just needed the time to do it, and I did, and I love it. <laughs> so, before we delve too much into the music that you make, I want to go back a little bit, if I may ask. What is? I want to know the origin stories of Will Wood. What got you interested in art and music and all sorts of different aspects of art in the first place? Um, I wish I had an exciting answer for you. Um, there was a time earlier on in my career where I would have whipped out some story about, um, I don't know, uh, 
at the age of 15, my mother picked me up from the psych ward, and as we were on the way home, I found an organ ditched on the side of the road, and I said, pull over, and I picked up the organ, I jammed it in the back of the car, and she couldn't stop me from doing it, and something like that. Or I would have said, uh, my my father was a piano tuner, and I would go out into his workshop and play the pianos and break them over and over again, playing them so hard, and blah, some, something like that. I think... <laughs> Used both of those examples before. Point is, uh, I don't have an interesting story. I really don't. I took uh, piano lessons when I was a little kid, um, and uh, I don't think I have. A, at least I don't think I have a more interesting story than uh, the average singer-songwriter. Um, uh, at least not. Uh, at least not with going without going into like, uh, you know, um, some some. Uh, very personal stuff. I, I'd say um, it's pretty boring overall. Um, so I started taking piano lessons when I was a little kid. Kind of faked how to, uh, kind of faked being able to read music for long enough where I was able to uh, build enough piano skill to start writing my own songs and just kind of went from there. Fair enough. I mean, it's it's still a good foundation more than nothing else. Also, I will say the yeah. Oregon story. I'm pretty sure that's how I was born. So don't doubt that story whatsoever. <laughs> Um, when did for you just go from just like a love for music and such to a passion and potentially making it your career? Um, oh geez. Uh, the passion, uh, okay. So I think in our culture, we are constantly being bombarded with the notion of the tortured artist and the fine line between genius and insanity thing. And there really isn't any denying the uh, correlation, not necessarily causation, but correlation between mental illness and creativity. Um, uh, and, and so um, growing up, whenever uh, my peers would tell me how fucking weird I am, um, I would kind of uh, back up my strangeness with the fact that I drew fun pictures and played piano. And um, and I think that that just kind of expanded over time. And, you know, my parents were very loving, very affectionate, very supportive. And so they really, uh, especially back in the 90s when we were all crazy about self-esteem, um, they really wanted to imbue me with uh, a, a, you know, a positive self-image. And so I think that I was kind of always bouncing back and forth between I'm special and I'm strange. And I think that that's um, kind of what built it over time and led to eventually uh, me becoming a little bit obsessed. Um, and that sounds unhealthy, don't it? To uh, have it be that so much of it might come from just poor self-image. I think that that really is where a lot of people's... Uh, uh, interest in the art comes from on a developmental level is that they find themselves lacking in one area and end up uh, trying to focus on another area. I'm not saying that this is true across the board, but I do think it's common. Um, and I think that's why, I mean, I think you have to have a certain level of narcissism in you to believe that um, you are not only capable of becoming uh you know, popular enough to make it, but also deserving of that popularity. Um, 
And, uh, you know, and I think it takes a kind of, I think that that narcissism fuels a lot of ambition and you have to be really ambitious to make it anywhere in this industry or even adjacent industries. And so, um, yeah, there's, there's, um, I know that sounds ugly. It sounds ugly to suggest that maybe the, the, you know, the heart of my passion has its roots in, uh, internal dysfunction. But I think that there's some truth to that. And that's something that I've been trying to, uh, get out of over the past year or two. And, um, so my passion for the arts, I'm currently in the process of kind of trying to rediscover it, trying to, uh, approach it from a new point of view, one that isn't so wrapped up in who I think I am or who I think I should be or what I think of myself. I think, um, uh, I, I think that that's something that, um, I don't know, I guess my, my passion came from uh, a combination between that and an attempt to kind of uh, cope with and have catharsis or a cathartic outlet for you know partially just the growing pains of uh, adolescence and uh, other things that were troubling me in my youth and um, some less than ideal experiences and so um, you know it's it kind of started out as this means of kind of pouring my guts out and processing feelings and combined with this um, you know desire to know who I am and who I can be and uh, figure out, you know, where I belong and, um, uh, how to kind of almost find a glue that all of my disparate parts together. And so I became obsessed. Um, but now here I am, uh, in, uh, I'm closer to 30 than 20, uh, much closer. What am I saying? Um, and, uh, and, you know, um, at this point it's, it's um, uh, it's less about that. There's a desperation, I think, in uh, art in your youth that I think came through in a lot of my earlier work. And um, now it's less about fits of passion and less about uh, intense efforts to spill my gut out or you know build myself up or put myself somewhere and more just about, I don't know, just trying to uh, make sense of the world and process things. I don't know. I may have uh, overshared a little bit there, but um, I should have probably just said like, well, when I was 14 years old, my mother took me to the Metropolitan Opera and we saw Carmen and I never turned back. It's like, but... No, uh, that's uh, boring. Well, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, instead I decided to, uh, to go for, um, uh, things normally say for therapy. There you go. Well, I mean, if nothing else, you know, I'm, I, I am an, un no, I'm not gonna say that. No, I mean, it's one of those, again, for you, I'm just, I, I'm just letting you just go off and let you basically just express yourself because that's what you tend to do a lot with your like music and such because you you're very open as I can tell from 
all the research that I've done and such. And I, I think Maria can probably agree with me whenever I say that that's something that we actually appreciate with your music. The fact that you're so open, so honest, which is hard to see a lot of in this world at times. Um, so if you have to ramble 20 million different ways in order to get the honest answer, that's fine. I'm not going to stop you. Trust me. We can make this go to a three hour long podcast for all I care. Maria might. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I might by accident, but you know, let's see. <laughs> um, to, Okay, cool. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> trust me, we're, we're not here to limit you. Like, we, we know how it can be at times. Oh, I, I'm not going to say that, but I'll say it, it can be hard at times to just let yourself open, let yourself go. And when you do that with your music, like, it's honestly inspiring at times. Like, at least for me, it is. Like, to, because... For, for me, I really resonate a lot with the normal album, like a lot, mm. a lot, because that's something that I've struggled with a, a lot on my end, just like hearing, you know, like what exactly is it mean to be normal? What exactly is it to, you know, like what does everyone else think of me? What does, you know, what should I set for myself when it comes for that kind of stuff? So th the fact that you were open and willing to put out that kind of stuff, like it's it's incredible, at least on my end. Maria, do you have anything you want to add to that? I mean, that's kind of like going off from what you're saying, too. It's like, but let me start with this. Like, I, um, whenever I catch like your streams on Instagram and stuff, I always like, I, I always love like, um, when you start, um, when you start talking and stuff, cause you, uh, like to me personally, uh, you, you, you talk a lot of deep thoughts that make people think. And that's what I, I love about you sometimes. It's just that you, you talk. You, you, you talk a lot of stuff that that makes people think and th there are times where I'm just like um, it's, it's like I, I go from small brain to just big brain just listening to you and especially with the normal album I'm just like wow I like going off from that saying I I do like um I do relate it to so much and it's like one of my favorite albums of all time because it's just like a just living through of like who should I be and like uh, everyone every, everyone considers this as normal and stuff but at the end of the day they're kind of fucked up a little bit on the inside too if I may ask what exactly led you to wanting to create the normal album to, to just let out about what exactly it is, means to be normal or why should people care about being normal mm -hmm. mm. Um, well it was it was less about trying to construct an album and more about um, just trying to construct the individual songs one at a time and finding myself realizing, oh, there are dots I can connect between these songs and, um, and then from there using that to turn it into a record. So there never was like a moment where, you know, the album kind of came to me where the idea for the album came out uh but i think the idea for doing an album called the normal album had been bouncing around my head for a long time and um i had different ideas as to what kind of substance it might have part of me wanted to use that title as a sort of lampshade to hang on some stylistic choices i thought maybe i'd want to make that maybe lean more towards more conventional music and thought maybe i could just call it the normal album to kind of just like draw attention to it um and then i thought you know uh well or maybe i want to say something a little bit bigger a little bit more uh 
overarching about um, my life. Um, and so I think it kind of just happened gradually. The songs kind of told me where to go, I guess. That sounds super lofty. That sounds so pretentious. The songs told me where to go. But um, it's kind of <laughs> the best way I can put it. Um, oh, yeah, it was never, it wasn't like one moment. It was just a series of songs that kind of sort of took the lead. Okay. Is that a thought process you tend to have when it comes to, like, making music in general? It's just not, you know, I, going forth with this idea. It's just, like, setting stuff up and just letting the, the dominoes fall on their own? I think so. It's hard to really say. Um, I've said it before, and that is that uh, the only thing I can confidently and categorically state is uh, is true about the process is that I don't know what the process is. Um, it seems to always be a different thing. So for my first record, for instance, I had my entire life to write those songs. The oldest song on my first record, Everything is a Lot, I wrote when I was like 17. And on my second record, that one happened because I, I was kind of forced by circumstance to put it out. Um, it was right after releasing my first album that I had an opportunity to work with Kevin Ontrazy and the producer. And it was kind of a now or never situation. So I had to kind of force music together into that moment, um, in, uh, together in that moment. Um, and so that, uh, that had its own context, its own circumstances that led to it. The normal album was just the songs I had written between my second record, Selfish, and around 2019. So it kind of... I suspect that that will be how I continue to work for the most part, and that is that I'll just write and see what happens. It seems to be what's happening at the moment. But, you know, life is long, and hopefully my career will be long. So I, maybe I'll have a totally uh, different answer for you a couple records from now. Who knows? I mean, if this is the path that you're already going on now with how you make records and such, I mean, I, I shouldn't question how the process is or anything like that because what you've put out so far, like whether it was planned your entire life or rushed because of an opportunity, like the stuff you've consistently put out is like incredible on so many different levels. Um, you know, like the, the instruments that you implement are absolutely outstanding. The, the wordplay that you have in there is like something that, English scholars should be looking at like 20 years from now. It's like, how did you word that so peacefully? The ad libs that you sometimes add as well. Like I absolutely love, what was it? Um, on selfish 2012, like that little like fuck right there towards the beginning. I don't know how intentional, <laughs> I don't know how intentional that was, but that was beautifully added. <laughs> um, I don't remember if that was intentional either. No, I think it was, um, I because I don't remember if, if the fuck was planned but that slam that you hear is me dumping backwards onto my back. Okay. Uh, and the fuck might've been a natural response to that pain. Um, <laughs> so, um, I don't, I don't really know. Um, uh, yeah, but thank you. That's, that's all very nice of you to say. Oh, I, I, I think, I think you may, uh, you may be, giving me a bit higher praise than I've earned, but I appreciate that. It's very, very kind of you. I mean, at, at the end of the day, like I'm just getting to the point of you're making incredible music. How can I not just admire what you're doing? I, I, I want to know, like, I, I'm trying as best as I can to peek into your mind as best as I can, which I know is probably a little scary at times to try to do. Um, but like, how does like the, 
especially when, like what I said before with the wordplay and stuff, like the lyrics and stuff like that. H- how do you come up with some of the the stuff that you like, you know, that you come up with? Seriously, like, you know, like one of my personal favorite songs is uh, "Love, Comma Me Person uh, Me Normally," and like some of the the like, especially like the spoken word bit that you have in there and such, like the way that it flows so beautifully. Like, is it just like all natural and stuff, or do you like how? Do, is there like a time where you have to like sit back and think on it? Like how does the wordplay come to you? I think it kind of goes back to what I was saying before. And that is, I don't know what the process is. The each lyric kind of comes from its own place a little bit. Okay. Um, at least to a certain extent, there are certainly some modes of thought that I have a tendency to use. And that is kind of, um, you know, my head kind of tends to gravitate towards wordplay as uh, as a means of writing lyrics, sort of um, tries to, I try to kind of like challenge myself to see what is the, I mean, ultimately, what is the most impressive thing I can say here? How many idioms can I turn on their head or combine or uh, yada, yada, yada. And um you know, and can I make it funny or can I make it shocking or whatever? Um, and how many rhymes or instances of sort of percussive cadence can I employ within this single line? And I guess that's kind of how a lot of it works is I have these parameters by which I try to write and sometimes I get lucky when I use them. Uh, I've been trying to kind of get away with that, get away from that more recently okay. and instead focus more on the uh, on the honesty and intimacy of the lyricism over the flourishes and grandiosity of some of my earlier work. But, um, you know, but they they do, you know, there are um there are tools that I gravitate towards and there are things that I tend to kind of screw around with in my head, but they all come from very different places in terms of the, what, it, what ultimately is the content that I'm, you know, trying to communicate. I can tell you that a good portion of the lyric for the normal album uh, were written in one night. Um, a good portion, not like a significant, not like most of it, just like a, a pretty weird large amount. Um, and uh, I, um, so I, I like to do this thing that I kind of sort of call like inspiration hunting. I don't actually have like a word for it. It's not like I'm like, that's my official, you know, trademark name for it. But um, uh, director David Lynch, uh, has said that you have to go where the ideas are. And so for the normal album, I tried to take that advice. I tried to go where I thought the ideas would be. So I went down to Atlantic City because I felt like Atlantic City is this kind of place where we have culturally and legally sanctioned weirdness, where we expect ourselves to go outside of the boundaries of normal behavior while still being normal. So you know, we can tell ourselves till we're blue in the face that going to a strip club or gambling or whatever is uh, so naughty and beyond the pale, but really we're all just going, tee look at me, aren't I so crazy? Um, you know, and so it's this culturally sanctioned 
uh, antisocial behavior that still is very social. And you go to the Tropicana specifically, that's where I went, the Tropicana Casino in Atlantic City. And it's this massive temple of runaway capitalism and this adult Disney world. And, um, and it has all this, uh, these, these lights, these bells, these whistles, and all of this nice sheen. And uh, um, it's, it's gorgeous. <laughs> Honestly, it's, it's just overwhelming the amount of uh, impressive that it is. But you take one step outside of the Tropicana and there's just like eight homeless people just laying on the ground and at least one or two people begging for bus fare because they gambled away the last uh, cent that they had. Um, and so it's um, it's just, it felt to me like the sort of epitome of the war between acceptability and unacceptability values and the lack thereof, um, what's wrong with our culture and what our culture thinks it can do to fix what's wrong um, and our instincts as animals to seek out not only fulfillment of our animal urges, but also fulfillment of our very socialized roles. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so I went there and I took a bunch of mushrooms, stayed up all night drinking Red Bull and wrote in my room. That's, yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, I went up into my hotel room and, uh, and I, um, I don't really use substances because I'm extremely sensitive to them. And uh, I'm about about six years dry from the booze. Um, and uh, so, you know, I, I stay away from that stuff. But I employed a little bit of psilocybin and a, a little bit of uh, what was just um, just CBD hash. But that's enough to fuck with me because I'm so sensitive. And um, uh, I stayed up all night, gave myself a damn near lethal dose of caffeine and taurine and, uh, you know, strip myself naked, put on an adult uh, film on the uh, uh, TV in the room, obviously in the room, not just like out on the boardwalk, um, and, uh, and tried to get myself in a headspace that was as far out of what is normal as I could so that I could kind of dance around the room playing the scratch tracks and demos in my uh, headphones over and over again until some words start to pour out of me. And that's where you get a lot of the words of the track Outliers and Hippocrates, a lot of the words for Black Box Warrior, that whole spoken word monologue in there, some of the newer words in the track I, Me, Myself. Um, and, uh, you know, so sometimes the process is really weird. So I, I don't always know what it's going to be, but um, yeah, it, it varies. <laughs> I, it's it's a very interesting process to say the least. Although it's it's very, it's, I, I'm sorry, I'm just dumbfounded because that is I don't know about you know I don't know about you Maria, but that is quite a process I never expected. But this is what it came out of. It just wow. I mean, I don't, uh, I don't, I do, I do not blame Will because sometimes it'd be like that. <laughs> it do be like that, Tipsy. Hello, pardon the interruption. I, I just wanted to take a moment to note that the Postmodern Art Podcast does not advocate drug use. At the very least, if you're of age, be careful with your stuff. Make sure it's safe and make sure you're safe. 
Now that that's out of the way, let's continue with our interview with Will Wood. Before we continue, I, I do want to note that there were some audio issues on my end that resulted in the last bit to be lost in the previous recording. Thankfully, Will was kind enough to schedule another day to record what was lost. So here's the second part of our chat with Will Wood. So, Will, one of the things that I've noticed, especially when we're talking about the, the normal album and such, is not only the plethora of different wordplay that you use and the ad-libs and all that different kind of stuff, but the amount of genres that you use. I mean, with this album alone, you use pop, rock, jazz, disco, folk, klezmer. I'm probably mispronouncing that. Correct me if I'm wrong. Um, what is the uh, what's the mentality like whenever you decide that you want to try like a certain genre for a certain song? Is it like something you just stumble upon or is it something you kind of go in with the expectations that you want to use it? Uh, it's kind of instinctual or instinctive, whichever. I don't know which. Which one do you say? Do you say ins instinctual or is it instinctive? I say well, instinctive. Whatever that, whatever that word. Okay. I say instinct. Um, <laughs> hmm. Well, I'm going to go with in, in, instinctive. Um, or it's, yeah, whatever, whatever the word is, you know what I'm saying. Um, it's, it's, uh, it just kind of happens, and I think it's sort of because uh, uh, the hallmarks of a certain genre kind of point to um sort of uh cultural symbols i guess mm -hmm. like uh doo-wop i feel for instance uh it being one of the genres that i think I, I kind of invoke the most on the normal album um it has a pretty heavy connotation to its sound it brings to mind images of you know, the beginning of modern suburbia and, uh, you know, uh, that kind of surface level, bubbly, you know, clean sort of vibe. This post-war era had this very clean-cut presentation. It's like the whole decade and a half was wearing a suit and tie. And... Um, but at the end of the day, you know, would go home, loosen its tie and like hit its wife. You know, it's like these were like, you know, weird times presenting themselves as very good times. But there there was a lot of darkness just underneath the surface. And I feel like there's a lot of people get that vibe from doo-wop because it presents itself as being so simple and so straightforward and there's very little expression of some of the darker elements of ourselves that we are more willing to express in art today. Um, and so, you know, you listen to any given doo-wop song and it's just like, you know, it's like 16 candles, sock hops, fucking malt shops, grease lightning. It's, it's very, I don't want to say shallow because there is value to any expression of any emotion, but it doesn't go very deep. And the reason why is because it's afraid to. And, you know, because it's because the 1950s were afraid of going too deep under things. The whole um, decade, I think, or uh, even Eric's, I, I know this kind of general vibe lasted into the 60s up until the psychedelic revolution, I think. Um, yeah. You know, be, because we all have this sort of ingrained knowledge in our minds about what that time at least looks like to us from today, 
um, and has more cultural context for it looking back um, we I think all kind of pick up on that that gilded sort of feeling we all look at the, uh, at cultural iconography from the 1950s and we think yeah sure simpler times for some and uh, and at least you know simpler times on the surface anyway but in reality you know we had like McCarthyism you know we had the Cold War we had segregation for Christ's sake um, you know and so like it was uh, you know um, so I think my head kind of just it because there's an area of my brain that kind of I guess is uh I don't know. I I think it's it's not exactly a conscious decision, but I know why I made the decision. Okay. Even if it was unconscious, and it was that I knew that Duop felt this way, um, and I think that to most listeners it feels that way. Um, so the best way, I guess, I felt for me to communicate what I was trying to communicate with, say, Suburbia Overture was to do it through the lens of doo Um You know, if I'm going to write a song that's sort of meant to uh, explore the... sort of meant to explore and express the way in which I think we as people compartmentalize our external selves away from our more authentic internal selves and our uglier sides, you know, the best way to explore that would be through something like doo-wop. Um, if there were another genre of music that I felt like could capture that feeling, I'm sure I would have used that, but nothing seemed more fitting than doo-wop. It's sort of like I have a tendency to use genre more as a tool for creating a context that um, helps move the vibe or the message or the feeling or the thoughts along uh, rather than a medium. It's more of a tool than a medium, I guess. It's like, um, you know, for example, I've got a track on the normal album called I, Me, Myself, um, which is kind of like, I guess, I don't know, it's about like gender roles and stuff. Um, and I do it through this sort of lens of like a modern retelling of 60s bubblegum pop. And... In that case, the genre is doing the heavy lifting there. It's creating the vibe in a way that um, really works harder than the lyrics do. Um, you know, because the sounds that accompany uh, what you're saying end up really coloring what you're saying. Ultimately, it's like uh, you know, you can you can paint a picture of a tree, and cool, you've got a picture of a tree. But if you paint a picture of a tree with purple paint, something new is being said, you know? It's, it's a very different thing now. Like, you can still look at it and say, okay, that's a tree, but, you know, it starts feeling a little bit different if you use purple paint, I guess is kind of what I'm saying. No, I, I, totally get that, what you're saying. I totally get what you're saying with that whole thing. More or less, like, I mean, you kind of illustrated it a little bit, but I was going to say it wouldn't even be the paint, but more or less the paintbrush that you use when it comes to genre. Like, you're using it to sort of lead the way to the, the illustration on, on the page, if we're going to keep going with this metaphor. You know, like, you know, I, I, I 
I totally got that immediately with um, sure. Suburbia Overture, like you were talking about. Like you use the 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 doo-wop vibe that you use for it to kind of get this almost like subliminal message of like what people interpreted that age to be. That 1950s, like everything's yeah. nice and okay, but like if you actually listen to the lyrics, I mean, the first two lines alone, uh, you know, white picket fences, barbed wired and trenches. Like, is it really that good? Is it really that great? Like, you know, sort of like you use the genre like you said as a tool to set up the expectations but then like you go in with your words and your music and such to subvert those expectations and to tell the true message that you're trying to go for am i right in assuming that yeah i think that's a good way of putting it is um yeah the uh i think that at this point in history and culture we've all kind of started to agree on duop um and uh, and on 1950s, early 60s culture as being, as symbolizing exactly that, as not symbolizing just like shiny, happy people in like a real sense. But I think we've kind of started to get to a point where we're all kind of looking at that with a critical lens that is primarily uh, centered around knowing that, that uh, cleanliness and, you know, uh, happiness was very much on a just a surface level and so i think that's you know yeah i i think if i'm going to communicate the feelings that i'm going for to do it in a punk rock song or to do it in i don't know bebop wouldn't make any sense right you know the only way i feel like i could act actively act accurately um communicate the feeling is through doo-wop and through taking that sound and going like, hey, you guys know doo-wop, right? You know, you know how you feel about doo-wop? We're going to go that way. You know what I mean? No, I, absolutely. Yeah. I was going to say, I know when it comes to the, the 50s aesthetic, Maria, you've actually kind of toyed with that with your uh, student film, if I'm not, or your student thesis, if I'm not correct. Yes, it's actually like, um, like, I, I will say this, like, um, that um, basically... Uh, when I when I was looking into the 50s and stuff, um, I remember how much in love with it I was. I still love it. I still love it. Um, but I was so in love with it um, when I was so much younger because of the dresses. Everything was just so, like, calm and clean. And maybe it's because I live in, like, kind of, like, a shitty area of my town. But I always, like, admire, like, uh, I always admire, like, uh the grass is greener on the other side type of houses. And uh, I, I always I always love like visiting those type of places where it's just calm and peaceful and safety. And, and again, just the music and stuff like that. I just loved it. And when I had to revisit it again uh, for my film and stuff, I was doing a lot of research and I, I mean, Obviously, there are some problems, like, you know, you got your racism, you got your sexism, you got all your isms going on, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> no one gets a break in this, well, I shouldn't say no one, unless, you know, you're white, rich, Yeah, and... not no one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no one. So, and I was just like, damn, like, there's so many problems, how is like I, I know some people are still in love with this era and I I love the good aesthetics part of that era. Just 
that side I'm okay with. But when it comes to like all that, um, all that stuff, like um, every time I listen to your music, it just kind of, especially suburbia, uh, suburbia Overture, that's literally how my brain is with the 1950s. Like I always remember like the, you know, oh, you know, such pretty, such a pretty era and stuff like that. And then it just goes chaotic and stuff like that. And it just goes down the right damn. That's just, that's, that's just literally how I am with the night. Um, my view on the 1950s right now, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, it makes total sense. I feel like that's this that's the information, that's the cultural data that exists now. That like we have two ideas, we have two sets of knowledge in regard to that time that are very much just inherently uh kind of they kind of like just naturally juxtapose one another, wherein we all um we all recognize like like the art and the cultural iconography that survived is very pleasant. It's very clean. It's very pre uh, presentable. It's uh, comforting. It's peaceful. It's calm. But we all and and so that has survived in our cultural DNA. While simultaneously, what survived is you know duck and cover. And yeah. we we think of 1950s art, and we immediately also picture duck and cover. It's not like. It's not like looking back at the aughts or, or yeah, if you look back at the aughts, like pop culture was very emotional. Um, pop culture was very sad and angsty and it wore it on its sleeve. And so you look at like music from 2004 and it matches how we as a society felt, you know, uh, we had mainstream punk rock that was very politically motivated. Um, we had <clears throat> uh, emo music and um, it all kind of reflected some of the angst of that time, especially like following 9-11. Um, so it all kind of makes sense when you look back at the aughts, for the most part, a lot of the iconography that has survived and still, you know, is recognizable to us kind of matches our ideas to how things were. But also at the same time, I don't know, it, it doesn't. And I think that that's kind of really why I wanted to use the 1950s and also when I used 80s uh, uh, sort of musical hallmarks as well, uh, pastiching that era of music um, was sort of my way of saying, you know, uh, simpler times were never simpler. Uh, and uh, you know, I, I, I could go on and on about it, but basically... Um, ended up going with uh, the 80s sounds for some songs and the 50s sounds for others. And then in that second to last track, that combination of, you know, made it kind of like 80s doo-woppy um, because I felt like you know, in today's culture, uh, 80s retro fashion is so in vogue. And I think it's for the same reason that in the 80s, 50s retro fashion was so in vogue because all of the cultural tastemakers who are now of the age to influence pop culture and art, um, they're getting their idea as to what good art is from their childhood and from their memories as, you know, for, uh, uh, you know, I, I think every generation is trying to cap recapture its childhood almost. And so, you know, and I, I kind of use that because I think that 
were like the reason the Duffer brothers did Stranger Things is because they wanted things to go back to normal. Um, and the reason that, you know, I don't know who it was, uh, did Back to the Future is because they wanted things to go back to normal. In these like 30, 35 year cycles, um, we're all kind of wanting things to go back to normal. And of course, there never was one, you know. And so, um, so, so in, in this situation, for the most part, with this album in particular, I use the genres that I kind of inject little bits of here and there as a means of continuing to communicate the sort of uh, intended message <clears throat> or general message of the album. Not that there is some, like, message, but, um, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I've I've lost track of what 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 was the question? No, no I mean I think um, you've answered the question a while ago with the. You yeah, answered it. Yeah, you answered it, and then some. Okay. I, I was just gonna actually build upon like a certain point real quickly. Like you're talking about how people are nostalgic these days of like the '80s, and people in the '80s are nostalgic of the '50s. Like I feel like with I mean you said this kind of, but like any generation is gonna be nostalgic of their childhood of some sorts. I'm seeing a lot of stuff nowadays of people feeling nostalgic for the late '90s and early 2000s already. Like you know people yeah. that are. Already, you know, in yeah. their 20s, like already wanting to go back to that, like it was the good old days and such. Meanwhile, like it's, yeah, uh, you know, what it, it's what they're more comfortable with, not what, you know, because every day is, you know, there's a new, every day there's going to be a new normal in a way. You know, right. th th there's, there's like they want to go back to what they're comfortable with. And for a lot of people, it's like the, the, the 90s with the boy bands and the baggy clothes and all that kind of stuff. You know, for some people, it's the 80s with, you know, the you know classic movies and all stuff they go want to go back to the 50s to the white you picket fences like like and then you have people like me who just want to go back to being uh just a little speck in space that they yeah <laughs> well i um i was a little bit late for the 80s nostalgia wave i have to say i did kind of come in on the tail end um because i've noticed yeah it's way more 90s now um but it's just kind of well. That's the album is dated before its time, which I think is perfect anyway. Yeah. Um, oh, are you back? Hello? <laughs> Fantastic! <laughs> I was wondering Great. what happened to you. <laughs> oh my I, God. I, I thought that was. I'm Rush. sorry. <laughs> I thought that was the end of the interview I right there. <laughs> Yeah, no, I brushed some dust off my laptop, and I guess you can't do that because the trackpad, if you brush on it, it goes, oh, okay, we want to go back to the last page? Let's do that. And so, basically, I hit the back button. I was going to um, say, like, probably the spirit of your album heard that you called it outdated. I was like, oh, you call me outdated? <laughs> it's like, that's outdated, which is perfect for the album. End. <laughs> yeah, um... But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I've definitely noticed. I think I think it's uh, it's not just about um, you know comfort. I think there's also an element of innocence, of uh, wanting to recapture childhood simplicity and innocence and ignorance of the uh, cold and harsh realities of adult life. Um, and so you know, I think that that's kind of a big part of it. Is we all want things to go back to normal what seemed normal to us what we were born into um and we all kind of want to like pump the brakes on life and 
um, be like, hey, 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 wait, wait, can we slow down here? Because every generation, everybody will always say, things are so crazy these days. That, when are they going to go back to normal? It's like, they're not going to. There never was such a thing. Because um, the normal that you're talking about was somebody else's batshit insane. You know, and so... <clears throat> No, um, I want things to go back to the way they were when you were a kid, but by that point, your parents were already freaking out over how crazy the world had gone, um, and that's the history of mankind. It's always kind of been that way, I think. So, yeah. um, you know, well, I, return I was, to ape. Uh, return to return to ape. I was gonna say, like, even going like. You know, a lot further back, there were people whenever we were entering the 2020s saying, "Let's bring this back to the 1920s with you know the 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 classic clothing and the the, the good old music and not the economic depression or the extreme er, racism than there already was." You know, <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny. Uh, I recommend you look into it. Um, the older, I get, it's a very old piece of music. This is at the very beginning of the. Um, the world of recorded music. Um, I guess it was in the 10s or the 20s. Mm -hmm. um, a song called uh, The Gay Old 90s. The Gay and, Old uh, 90s. And it's a song uh, from the turn of the 20th century uh, expressing 1890s nostalgia. It's really funny. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well... I I guess nostalgia is just ingrained in our human beings, no matter what. That that's that's insane. I didn't yeah. even realize that. Holy crap! <laughs> How would anybody be nostalgic over to? I mean, uh, I mean, I guess like, uh, no. Them. <laughs> they wanted that. You know, it's the same thing. It's they they're they lost their childhood and they and they're sad about it. Is basically what they're really saying. You know, they lost their childhood. You lost your childhood even more with that era. Like, but yeah. you also have to realize, Maria, they don't have the hindsight that we have. They don't understand that things have progressed so much in the past, like century alone, compared to what they were okay. thinking at the time. Hear me out. It's like you know, you're entering into the 1920s right like you might not know what's going on but econ a economy it's booming like you you'd be more excited about the nowadays compared to the back in the days but i guess nostalgia is just nostalgia strong nostalgia strong baby uh, i don't think it's practical like that you know i think it's like deep-seated emotional stuff that kind of harkens back to your early development like, I, I think that there's probably a neurological basis to it. If you go to a nursing home and you play music from the childhood of the person there, uh, it it's apparently very good for them. I used to do that is I would work at nursing homes. I'd play music for um, the residents. Oh, um, okay. And they would sometimes put me in the memory care unit because one of the things that people do to help treat Alzheimer's, uh, a, an advanced dementia, um, is play them music from their childhood because it activates a part of their brain that for some reason is like hardwired into memory um so somebody who can't remember anything from their lives you play them fucking i don't know big girls don't cry and they light up and their memory improves for like a little while following listening to that song even um so 
think it, I think it probably does have something that's like even deeper than just, um, you know, uh, uh, just even deeper than just somebody's wants or desires. I think it goes like really far down in their psyches. Yeah, I can, I can see, I can imagine. I mean, like, you know, like we've basically established at this point, like it, it's, it's strong that, that sort of, like you said before the, the comfort, the instinct and all that kind of stuff. I mean, it's, and it's something that I'm glad to, to see that with your album, like you've taken some of those, like, in, like the instincts of before and like the comfort before and just really shown people, Hey, this is how it really is like basically taking the reality of it, which is something that's really needed at times. There are people that, you know, that focus too much on how good the past was, but they don't understand that, you know, even tomorrow, you know, what they thought was normal, but like, you know, tomorrow what's coming could be better for all we know. Right. Yeah. Um, but ultimately yeah, it comes down to, it's not about how good or bad things are. It's about your connection to yourself and your own personal history and your own development and, you know, what's going on inside your head and, uh, what happened to kind of your spirit over the course of the, uh, traumatizing ordeal of adolescence. Um, you know, uh, so I, 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 uh, you know, for me, the album is, uh, it's 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 less rooted in me trying to say, hey, things weren't that good back then, and more my saying, you know, hey, maybe this is where this is coming from. Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Forget any. Listen, anything that I say in this interview, uh, you can assume just isn't canon because I never woke up today. Uh, so, um, there, I'm actually. I, um, I'm sorry. Um, to be fair, like, I, um, I, I woke up, but, like, well, I had to be forced to wake up at four, uh, just to travel back home, um, because of weather conditions, reasons, and I, it's, like, uh, it, like, I totally, I totally get what you mean. Um, yeah, I, I, yeah, um, anyway, what, yeah. what was the... Other thing. You well, well I, I, I was just gonna to move on with not. You know, we've talked about like different genres and stuff. I wonder. I was wondering, um, is that like the way you sort of go about it with the different tools? Is that something you try to implement with your music videos as well? I forgot to mention this before, but the different music videos you have for your songs are absolutely stunning in their own way. Whether it be live action, art, you know, based or whatnot. Like, what's a mentality for you when you like go forth to do a, a music video for your songs? Um. It's honestly, it's about at least so far in my career, it's always been about what can I do? What can you do? Um, okay. Yeah, um, it's been a the music videos that I've done have come from a place of me trying to, uh, you know, make agreements with the world <laughs> to kind of just be like, okay, how far can I? what can I do with my feelings and my vision with the resources, time and energy I have? Um, and so like, you know, for instance, the love me normally music video, if I'd had it my way, I think at least originally the video would not have taken place on, uh, a, um, 
Small scale talk show? Public access. Public access talk show. It would have taken place on like late night now. Um, but I couldn't do that. And so I had to like kind of retool the vibe and rethink what I wanted out of it um, based on what resources I had at my disposal, which was like 600 bucks, you know? Um, so it's, um, the music videos are often kind of more informed by the limitations that I have than my actual vision. Um, and I think that that's kind of, um, I don't know. I, I, I think that that's, um, kind of what gives them their feel to a certain extent is that it's, um, uh, the videos that I have, I mean, I kind of lean into the low budget thing for the most part. Um, like with the Laplace's angel thing with like that sketchy stop motion with the skeletons. Yeah. Um, and you know, the fisheye lenses and the shaky cameras and stuff like that. It's like, that's the best way for me to, uh, make the most out of the little bit that I have access to. Um, and also my limited amount of talent. And so, you know, um, it's, uh, um, I don't know. I think I'm maybe kind of selling myself short here a little bit. I don't know. I, I, I'm proud of those videos. Um, but, you know, I think um, uh, it's, uh, I don't know. I, I, I think, um, I think the ideas come from, I don't know. Um, I'm definitely trying to, I don't know. When it comes to to videos, not necessarily as sim sim symbolic. Uh, yeah, not necessarily. Okay. Um, I mean, with the Love Me Normally video, I'm definitely trying to make a commentary on something that I see in our culture. But um, with the Laplace's Angel video, for instance, I was more just like, "Oh, this would be an interesting visual. What if I got real human skeletons and I used stop motion to make them dance?" And that's that was it, you know. Uh, that wasn't me trying to make some commentary about, like, I don't know, the reanimation of lost things, and I don't know. It wasn't, like, some metaphor or anything. It was um, just more or less like you thought it would be a good visual to go with that sort of song, more or less, at least with that one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, it's it's sort of like, it's, it's a lot like the genre thing, where um, it's, it's a context. It's a new lens to look at something through that video is now kind of inextricably linked with the song. And so when people hear that song or they, they think of that song, they're also going to think of me in a purple suit dancing with skeletons and, um, you know, and that creates part of the final package, so to speak, I guess it's like, that's part of the singular piece of art that is Laplace's angel, but includes photos and video as well. Yeah. Um, I, I guess if that, I, 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 I don't know. I guess I kind of, what I, my point is that like the video is part of the song and the song is, you know, I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying. Like I said, none of this is canon. I, I mean, I, I sort of get what you're trying to what you're trying to go for with this. Just kind of one of those again, like you know how genre is a tool. The video should also be a tool to help a person sort of envision and I guess 
I wouldn't say even relate, but sort of connect with the song as well. Um, I know every time I listen to Love Me Normally, I think about the, the you know, public access radio, which just, or public access TV, which is how insane that video was at some points with how ridiculous it got, which I absolutely loved. Um, what was it? Memento Mori. I think of two things in particular. I think of Maria's short because you, she uses that song, but I also think of the uh, MAP that you use, uh, that, that you made for it with the, you know, the, the you as a skeleton, like singing with other skeletons and how they sort of interacted with that music stuff. It's a great visual for a person to connect better with that music. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's with the Memento Mori one, especially, I mean, it's, it's a show, yeah. you know, um, it's, it's, it's no, it's not a, to me, it's not really a music video. It's, it's like a, a little short film. It's a show, you know, um, it's, uh, dance number there you go i mean yeah especially with how like you know it, 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 it sounds like something i would hear in like new orleans to like strike up the band more than anything else and i feel like the visual that you had with that especially with that parade towards the end sort of lines up with that uh with that visual with that mental image so i think you whatever tools you're using they're the right tools i'll give you that much <laughs> thank you um I, I, I want to say, I know, like, from us, it's probably, you know, you've probably heard a lot from us already, but how surprised were you, how surprised were you with how many people, especially with the normal album, sort of related and, like, connected with that album? Like, were you surprised with uh, just how much people, like, connected with it, how much they appreciated it, or is it just kind of one of those, like, you're just more or less happy with how it turned out at the end? Um... I don't know how to answer that really. Um, just because, like, uh, I mean, I, I, like, I, I guess I didn't really think of it as being something that, like, had like a, I don't know. Um, no, I'm, I'm not surprised. But that makes it sound like I'm saying, like, yeah, I'm not surprised people connect with my work. It's kind of fucking awesome, you know. It's, <laughs> it's. it's um, but it's, you know, it's just like, it's not like people suddenly came out of the woodwork and like jumped on it. Um, you know, um, I think, uh, you know, it's not that I wasn't surprised. It's that nothing surprising happened, you know? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's like, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, yes, I'm. It's not that I was surprised, it's that I was relieved is more like what it is. There we go. Okay. Because um, I didn't go into it with no expectations, you know? I didn't go into it with no hopes or goals. If I got into it going like, this thing sucks and everybody's going to hate it. There you go, have this thing that's terrible that I know you'll hate. And everybody went, wow, I love this. I would have been like, whoa, really? I made it for you to hate. <laughs> um, you know, I, I made it so that people would connect to it and when people if people didn't connect to it then i would just be disappointed um whereas if people do connect it i'm just like okay whew, i did my job you know um so i was entirely unsurprised but I mean, also yeah. it's mostly just like like oh thank god you know i mean that that's fair i mean it's one of those i imagine with a lot of stuff that that a lot of people make they try to go into it hoping that at least one person enjoys it and so i mean yeah. I, I i imagine like you know even though and, and correct me if i'm 
correct me for saying if I'm wrong saying this, but like this album was for you, but you were just glad that other people sort of appreciated the the messages and what you presented to them. Um, um, I guess so. I mean, I wrote the album based on my creative instincts and what I wanted to express and what I thought would be fun to make. Um, but to say that it was just for me, I think isn't quite it either. Um, okay. Because, you know, it, it, you know, I mean, it's like, I didn't, I didn't make it so that I could listen to it. Although I made it based on what I would want to listen to. Um, uh, you know, I, I made it with the hope that other people would listen to it and connect to it. And, um, you know, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. No, I mean, I, I completely understand what you mean by that. I mean, it's, it, it nevertheless, like I'm just still, it, it's, it's incredible to see kind of the reception it did get to see people appreciate and connect to it at the end of the day. Um, and I, I imagine, going, yeah, and I, and I imagine like with all sorts of other aspects of art that you're involved in as well, you, want the same reaction i mean i i've you know like music is like your big thing but you've also established yourself through film with your uh mockumentary the real will wood um you have your uh zine zine i think it's correct me how i pronounce it but like the prescription wall art tattoos and such what is it about all sorts of different aspects of art that just intrigues you and wants you to invest in that past just doing music Um, it's just kind of, I mean, on a practical level, it's diversifying one's revenue streams. Um, on, on a less practical level, it's, it's just what I've been doing my whole life is just like, I, I like to draw and I like to make music and, you know, I like to make movies, you know, I, I, I've just, I've always kind of enjoyed that. And so over time, it's kind of gone to a place where it's like, I don't know, music allows me to do those other things um you know if i'm a, if if i'm a popular or good enough musician that i don't need to be that good of an artist for people to like it um you know what i mean like it's it's like i feel like with art a lot of what you know ends up moving the uh consumer of that art is how they feel about the artist and how they feel about where it's coming from um, you know, there's a lot of art in the world that looks like garbage. It's a lot of modern art where you look at it and you go, "That I don't, I'm not pleased by looking at this." Um, but you know, you you know about what that art might represent, where it might be coming from, and it starts to mean something. And I think it's easier to communicate uh, if you're already putting yourself out there in other ways. I don't know. I don't know what I'm saying right now. I guess what I'm saying is. Oh, I see what I'm saying. Uh, I'm being self-deprecating uh, is what it is. What I'm what I'm trying to say right now is that I'm not a good artist, but people think that I am because they like my music and they assume that my art isn't trash. But that's not fair for me to say. Some of it's actually pretty good, I think. Um, I don't know. I guess it's just like it allows me a a lifestyle that therefore music allows me a lifestyle that then allows me to explore other forms of art, um, and it. Also, uh, gives me a platform by which I can sell those other forms of art. Uh, it gives me an excuse to make all different kinds of art because the great thing about music is that um, there are so many different mediums that are involved in it. You know, there's album art, there's promotional art, there's photography, 
there's music videos you know it's uh it it's it's not just one art form so you know it was uh ultimately what made me end up pursuing music or at least part of what made me end up pursuing music is that i knew that if i was successful as a musician it would open doors for me to do other things that i like as well well i'm glad to see that those doors are opening up and you're producing what i think is yeah, amazing art. I, I know you you were being self-deprecating there for a bit, but I, I truly do enjoy the pieces that I have seen. Um, it's it's great to, you know, it's always good to find a way to express yourself through different art forms and such. That's something I try to emphasize with this podcast with all sorts of different art forms that for artists that I do bring on. I mean, I, aside from musicians, I brought on like traditional artists, uh, people who do thumbnails for like you, YouTube videos. Um, I've even brought on a wrestler and had them talk about how wrestling is an art form. Which, you know, that's up for people if they want to debate on that or not. But I think it's an art form. <laughs> but... I would say so, yeah. It's a, it, I mean, was was this person like an athletic wrestler or like... A, a professional wrestler. Uh, a like Professional a, wrestling. Yeah. So like, you know, sorry, professional hey, wrestling. Like, you know, you know, WWE, AEW, all that stuff. Yeah, that's that's an art form. I mean, it's, it's a performing art and an impressive one, I'd say. I would agree with you on that. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I, again, I know there are some people out there that have varying, you know, opinions on that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, like when it comes to art, like as a whole, especially when it comes to this podcast, and I, I, I try to, to let people know that, Hey, this is a way that people can best express themselves. Like this is the way that they're able to, to, to truly show themselves to the world. And if this is what they want to do, what they love to do, and they're successful with it, like, why not, you know, sh- and like, not even successful, but like, if they're willing to put in the time and effort to do this kind of stuff, why not showcase them and have them showcase just how, how, how integral art can be for these people and for the world as a whole. So mm-hmm. that that's why I'm usually open with like, you know, what, can be considered art because a lot of people have again varying opinions on what is art what isn't art i'm like is it a way for that person to express themselves okay it's art if people want to make the argument they can probably convince me that math is art if they can find some weird way to do it <laughs> you know um but you know you, you got all this stuff invested with like you know the normal the normal album is out there and people are loving it you got all these other kind of different art forms and such I, I want to ask the question, what should we expect next from Will Wood? What, what's, what should, like, what's the next major Will Wood project that we should see, and what part of you should we see? Um, I've got some new material I've been working on for uh, a while now um, that uh, is normally the kind of material, at least in the past, that I think I would have just kind of let go. Um but over the years my values have changed a lot and i've changed a lot and i uh have different you know uh goals as an artist and different uh priorities as an artist and so this material that i'm uh kind of fiddling with right now is very different from what i would normally set aside for an album um and the kind of material I've been writing is just different from what I've done in the past. And I think partially because, uh, you know, um, I mean, just life circumstances have changed quite a bit for me. Uh, and, um, uh, 
sort of um I, I don't know um what can you expect i guess uh something really different some very different stuff i guess you know it wouldn't be me if i didn't you know change things up um I would say this is an even more significant departure from my previous releases than my previous releases significant departures from their previous releases. Um, you know, uh, it's, um, it's, it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm hoping that I can start pre-production on a new record in the next couple of months. Uh, and, uh, Hopefully, uh, hopefully I can get that going soon. I, I find myself really chomping at the bit to get out there, uh, to get this stuff out there, um, because it's also some of my proudest uh, work, uh, some of my, as as far as I'm considered, some of my best work, and that I am the proudest of. Um, so, but it's quite different. I'm excited. Well, I mean, I was going to say you've already set yourself, but, you know, for Will Wood, what is it different at this point? It, it seems like you it, it, it seems like you always try to challenge yourself with every new release that you do something different every single time. And if if this is going to be different and this is some of your proudest work compared to some of the stuff you've done before, like mm. I, 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 I can't speak for Maria, but I can speak for myself in saying that I'm especially excited to see like what's next for you more than anything else. <laughs> speak for me on this part except i would also tell you not to but <laughs> <laughs> i would like i would be so ecstatic to hear like uh, the uh like the new stuff you got going on like if this is if this is like like he said like if this is gonna be like um better than like the normal album i'm all in for it well i mean better is a strong word I like it better, but you know, um, it's uh, it's going to be pretty different. I think people will often judge their opinions on a work of art um, based on its context within the body of work that that artist has uh, put out so far. Um, so, I definitely think I've got a good album here, but I don't th I don't know if everybody's going to think it's a good Will Wood album because they're going to be viewing everything through a lens that says, does this meet the aesthetic standards of a Will Wood album based on what I expected or think it would be? Um, I know, a lot of people... What? Oh, I'm so sorry. Um, I, I'll just say this real quickly, that I'm going to correct myself very... Not better, more, like, more awesome than it already is. Thank you. Um... I mean, you know, what I'm saying still, uh, you know, still kind of applies, you know, it, it, uh, it's, you know, I, I certainly like the new stuff more than I've, uh, you know, more than I like my older stuff, but that could also just be because I'm not as emotionally attached to stuff that I wrote five years ago. Um, but I, I do feel like this stuff, a lot of it is much more, uh, straightforward and intimate and kind of confessional or personal than a lot of my previous stuff. And so... I have a deeper connection to it, I think, on uh, an emotional level. And, uh, you know, I'm excited to kind of, excited and nervous to kind of get that out there, to kind of show 
audiences like okay this is the guy you've been listening to sorry you know um um i mean i was just gonna say like you know you you say that this stuff is obviously different you know uh different than you know the normal album which is gonna be expected because i i think we all can agree a lot can happen in five years hell a lot can happen in a single year alone so i mean the, the the experiences that you may have had you know back whenever you made the normal album compared to what you had now are going to be different. They're bound to be different. But at the end of the day, like you're making, like you said, you're making something personal. You're making something intimate. You're making something that is honestly Will Wood. Well, yeah, the, um, I mean, a lot of the stuff on the normal album was written around the time that I was putting out selfish. And, um, like a lot of that material is still quite old. Um, and so the stuff that I have now, it's all been written since some major changes occurred in my life that, um, you know, changed who I am significantly um, and changed, you know, my instincts as an artist significantly. I mean, um, uh, I got I, I got sober around the beginning of my career and then I started treatment for what has been officially identified as bipolar. That's just a label on a piece of paper, but... Um, uh, around around that a, a little while after Selfish and um, you know a lot of the stuff that I wrote on the normal album is pre-treatment um, and so a lot of it is uh, a lot of it is coming from a place that I no longer really relate to necessarily um, you know uh a lot of it, a lot of it is is like, a lot of my old music is more symptom than art, and so you know, um, it's like uh, it's not as conscious of a of a of my my it, it, the work was not created as consciously or with as much intention, um, whereas nowadays I'm able to kind of like because I'm a little bit stabilized, I'm able to be more present and involved in the creative process as it's occurring. Um, and so the stuff that I've been writing since around that time, um, uh, is quite different. Um, and you can hear some of it on the normal album. You can hear kind of the beginnings of it on the normal album with like better than the alternative and Marsha, thank you for the dialectics and memento mori. Um, it's a kind of a bit more of a focused sort of thing. It's not as, you know, chaotic, um, it's a bit more organized and um it's uh but those are like the newer songs on that record um and those are like what 2017 i think like the newest song on uh on the normal album i wrote a year i was doing the normal album but okay. was still very you know um but everything else was uh you know, was already a couple years old at least. Right. Um, so, um, and now it's been even more time since then. You know, it's 2021. Uh, it's been two years since I recorded the normal album. And at that point, it had been four years since I recorded Selfish. Whatever. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> boring, but... Um, point is, the music's very different. Well, I, I, again, I, if... 
if the year's experience, if, if your experience, especially within the past, you know, like you said, you know, two, four, six, eight years or whatnot are going to be showcase or not showcase, but they're going to be organically rooted in what's coming next for you. Um, I'm certainly one that's going to be, you know, excited. I am intrigued and excited to hear what you have next because I can tell even with all the stuff you produced before, like there's already a lot of like, or there, there's a lot of you already in it. And while it is you of different times or whatnot, it, it's an authentic self. That's rare to see a lot that, is hard to see a lot in some of the music today and such. So like if, if that's what you've produced mm. before and such, I'm excited to see like, I'm in, I'm interested, I'm interested to see what's going to be next for you. That that's, that's the long and the short of it. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to show you a little nervous, but excited. I mean, I, I imagine you're like that with just about any sort of thing that you release into the world. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, sometimes more than others. Uh, a lot of my work, I just, I just go like, yeah, they'll, this, they'll probably be okay with this. Uh, whereas some of the new material I'm working on right now, I'm just like, oof, I hope I don't get canceled for that song. Oh. You know, so, you know, it's, like, it's, you know, pretty different stuff. Um, yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Maria, do you have any questions before I go to the little bonus questions I have at the end? Yes, I do. Um, so this, I don't know how to ask this properly, but feel free to, feel free to go off at any direction you would like. But, um, so, uh, so Suburbia Overture, it takes place in Maribel Township. Um, please feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. Um, what is it about, like, because I, um... I did a little research on Maribel, and apparently it's uh, it's about like some little girl from like uh, that fifties era that was like um, that was kind of like a killer. Was that on purpose that you named uh, that town like Maribel? Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was that was uh, what I was referring to. Yeah. Um some reason i've had the name mary bell township as the name of a town in my head since i was like 15 uh and i was like in high school i was like writing these little screenplays and stuff and i would always write stories taking place in mary bell township because uh, at some point when i was a kid i heard about the serial killer mary bell who was a little girl who killed like 10 kids or something i don't know how many people she killed but um she was like 10 years old um and i just was fascinated by that by that idea um, and so I, uh, I just, I ended up naming the town that all of my stories would then take place in after that. Um, and ended up naming, uh, that song after it. Okay. That's a good bit of history. I didn't even realize that beforehand as well. So I'm learning something new today. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, right. but, uh, I guess like my next question is, if you were to give yourself advice, whether it is um, your little self or uh, or you when you wanted to start your uh, music career and your journey, what advice would you give yourself? Um, I got the be I I um. I mean, I think it depends, really. You know, it depends on on 
when you're talking about. Um, a little self, I would probably say, I don't know. Um, uh, spend less time thinking about your art and more time thinking about uh, your friends and your friendships. And, you know, because otherwise you're going to end up... Um, spending too much time on your career and you know being a total workaholic you know it's uh but if it was at like the beginning of my career i would probably say like uh um uh, relax don't worry it's gonna work out uh just just keep plugging i don't know uh probably nothing all that interesting um yeah kid me i'd be like don't become a workaholic and Today, me, or, or a few years ago, me, I'd be like, don't work too hard. So I guess it's maybe the same yeah. it's either way. Yeah, I think I would tell myself to, to relax a little bit. I'm Pretty mean, much all it is. It, it is a valid advice, especially for me. <laughs> I, think, I, I think we all suffer of working ourselves a little too hard at points. <laughs> uh, goodness. Um, do you have any other ones, or shall I jump to the dream scenarios or dream questions? I do have one more. Um, actually, maybe two more, but like one of them is important. Um, so my question is: You said that um, you had to hold yourself back a little bit. Feel free to correct me. You had to hold yourself back a little bit when it comes to the certain uh, music videos uh, for the normal album. If you had everything your way, like, what, um, I guess, which music video would you change the most and how would you have approached it if the world was in your hands? Mm-hmm. Um, I have to say I'm pretty satisfied with everything. I guess that's that's maybe what I what maybe I guess I kind of failed to properly communicate is that I think you know figuring out how to um how to let your vision kind of take on the shape of its container. Um, like I I feel like that's that's its own art form in a way. Um, it's something that I kind of learned to do when I was in high school, when I was taking art classes, because I hated assignments. I hated being told what to draw. But if somebody, but if I had a job to do, if it was like, you have to use this medium, my goal would then be, okay, how can I push it? How can I bend the rules? How can I, um, you know, reapproach, reevaluate? How can I, you know, circumvent? the rules uh, and limitations around me to the best of my ability, how can I kind of, you know, take on that shape uh, without sacrificing my uh, my vision? And so, you know, with the Laplace's Angel video, would it have been cool to have a good green screen that I knew how to actually use and been better at animation? Sure, but the fact that I was that I, that I then had a bad green screen that I didn't know how to use and I wasn't very good at stop motion animation created a different aesthetic that gave it a different visual that I'm really glad it turned out with. I I prefer what ended up happening to what was originally in my head. Um, and it's the same thing with the Love Me Normally video. If I had a million dollars going into it, would I have you know 
rented out the stage for, you know, I don't know, Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, I probably would have done that. But I'm really glad that I, you know, that I didn't do that because what ended up coming out of it, I think, is is uh, it's make it better. I like the way it looks better. Um, I'm happy with it. And so, you know, when I say that I had to make some sacrifices, I'm not I don't say that with any amount of regret or um, to even looking back, really say, were they sacrifices? No, they were compromises, but not even compromises, agreements um, with the universe to kind of be like, okay, okay, so I can't do that. Can I do this? And um, so, you know, it was kind of an adventure to kind of navigate the uh, um, the now the limitations of the world around me like you know what could i do with what amount of money what can i make look like a different thing um so for instance the love me normally video you know it's like there's like a, a couple different stages in that video right there's one where there's a piano there's one where there's the desk and everything one with the band no there isn't it's the same shot with different sets there was one wall and one camera facing it that's it you know oh <laughs> um yeah um so you know it's it's like about making do you know um yeah it does it looks like there's there's like more than one set but there isn't i, I figured you at least use more than one wall at the very least like you had like it turns out no it's just one wall you just changed it every time for each take oh nice just one just one wall wow well not for each take because i got to you know do a take of the whole video in one location then with the other location up and then put them together in post well, there you go. That that's good ingenuity more than anything else. Like innovation, I guess would be the proper word. Yeah. Thank you. There you go. Um. Yeah. So, you know, um, I wouldn't change anything uh, about the old videos. I wouldn't change any of it. Um, I look forward to seeing what kinds of uh, challenges the next line of videos would be. Um, maybe I'll have a higher budget and the challenges will be very different and I'll get to be more selective or who knows? I don't know. So it's, uh, uh, yeah. Well, it's one of those, uh, you know, like everything else with the, the music and such, I'm certainly going to be interested to see what you could do with Lord knows what the budget could be at that point. <laughs> uh, do you have that last question or are you good at this point, Marie? <laughs> <laughs> I I know I said I had one more question, but then another. <laughs> <one more. laughs> okay. Um. Okay, so I'll I'll save that original one question after this one. So um. So I don't know how to word this question properly, but bear with me. Uh, words are wonderful, as Nat would say. Um. So, you, uh, I'm sure you are very well aware that uh, a lot of people, uh, including like uh, artists and animators who are fans of your work, would make their own interpretation of uh, your songs and stuff. Uh, I guess the question is, uh, what um, does what kind of feeling does it give you, or like uh, does it? Does it make you happy to see like different interpretation or like what's up with that? 
I mean, it depends on the interpretation. I try not to look at look at it too much because, uh, you know, don't read the comments as they say. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, I'm sorry. I'm I'm sorry to be uh, rushing around here. No uh, need to I, apologize. You're good. I have to, uh, I have to meet my my parents for dinner, and so I'm just trying to have these so that when we wrap up, I can scoot. Um, gotcha. The uh, traffic's quick. Um. Uh, what was I saying? Um, it depends on the interpretation. Like I've heard people say that some of my songs are about the most insane things, and in in those circumstances, it's frustrating and strange and uncomfortable. But I've also seen a lot of people kind of like, you know, uh, go like dive into the lyrics and kind of try and you know piece them together and take them apart and you know figure out what's going on in there, and that can be really interesting to see. Um, you know, it can be really interesting or it can be really fulfilling when I see somebody going in a direction where I'm like, huh, that's a really, I never thought of it that way, but that's clever. Oh, yeah, yeah that's neat. Um, but there are also then times where I go like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And what the <laughs> fuck do you think is wrong with me now? Um, so, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's like anything else. It's a mixed bag. Um, but when things uh, have been you know, badly misconstrued, which has occurred and I've gotten in trouble for it. Um, you know, like I said, I, I was saying, you know, uh, for the next record, I'm thinking to myself, I hope none of these songs get me canceled. Well, I mean, they tried with the last record, so who the fuck knows? Um, uh, you know, uh, one song people misinterpreted as being about something that it's not. And um, which is like, okay, yeah, well, this is, you know, whatever people are going to say whatever they say um but uh result of that over the past you know year or two the way that i've been writing has changed a bit where i'm a, a lot more straightforward or a lot more uh conscious of the way that i use my words and have a lot more intention with it and so it's not as abstract as it used to be okay um and it's more about uh actually communicating what i'm trying to say as opposed to just like yeah um vomiting the words out but uh you know um but yeah no i i, I get a kick out of seeing people's interpretations of it up till a certain point you know fair enough fair that's enough. fair um All right. so my last question um i've been seeing this a lot uh during your live streams uh i think it's like some of your fans that have been with you for a very long while are uh or even some of your band members um someone would always bring up about like something about lobsters with you i have no idea you have no I, idea I, no I, idea i was i was wondering like what what would that be about i have no clue um i think maybe i made a joke about a lobster at some point in in, in something and they held on to it i don't know there's there's like a thing that happens with like that like some crowds where like i'll say something that they think is kind of funny and they'll just hold on to it forever and just spam it forever um uh i i really have no clue uh those those i don't think those are like the older fans i think those are most of the younger fans but i don't know who anybody is on youtube so um 
That is fair. I really have no clue. I wish I could tell you, honestly. I think it might be a Jordan Peterson thing, but I have no idea. Yeah, yeah that's what it was. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sounds like a Jordan Peterson thing. Well, there we go. I, yeah, unless it's something else, in that case, we'll never know, and that's fair enough. Um, <laughs> we're gonna. I'm, I'm gonna jump right in with the the final couple questions, but um. I'll go ahead and ask the quote-unquote dream scenario. I know Maria kind of asked that with the music video, but let's say I'm Big Shot Executive Mr. Moneybags. I have connections to anyone and everyone and more money than I have any idea what to do with. If given the opportunity, what would be the dream Will Wood project or Will Wood collaboration that you would love to have, love to make happen? Collaboration, I would want to commission Andrew Bird to do strings for an album. Okay. That's what I would want. Andrew Bird on strings. Um, that's it. If Tom Waits wanted to do, wants to do a guest vocal. That's cool too. Uh, Josh Tillman lets me do a, do a, some piano on his record. I don't know, but um, that that would be that would be my my dream situation. I think that'd be fair. That'd be fair. I mean, it'd be interesting to to see just kind of that collaboration how it go down. How beautifully he could, uh, especially Andrew, how beautifully he can. Uh, accent more of your your songs at the end of the day uh let's let's get down from the the dream scenario get down from the clouds let's get back to reality for a moment where do you hope to see yourself say five ten years from now alive that's all i know just trying to hang in there i have no idea yeah, um, that's also fair <laughs> depends on when you ask me maybe if you ask me tomorrow i'd give you a totally different answer but um well not totally different i'm gonna want to be alive but um you know there might be more than just that i might have more specific interests i have no idea that, that that's fair enough i mean every day is a different day everybody has a different mindset um as we wrapped up the interview i just have one last question for you um obviously you're deeply entrenched and deeply rooted when it comes to art you know music you know the the zines you know the wall art filmmaking all sorts of different aspects of art how important is art not just for you but for the world as a whole um i don't know i think it's pretty important uh i don't know uh clean drinking water and food are pretty important um i don't i don't know i, I feel weird saying that art is important because I, I don't I don't know, but part of me thinks that maybe it is because uh, no matter how bad somebody might have it or you know, uh, regardless as to whether or not there are children starving in Africa and, you know, uh, I should be grateful for what I have or, you know, um, how privileged it might feel to be saying, oh, art is so important. I think everybody uh, benefits from it and we all use it to kind of get through things. Um, and to connect and all that i don't know i wish i had some like uh good deep smart answer for you but i think it's just like yeah i mean i like art I, I, it makes people happy and stuff i don't know like that's something that people connect over and it helps uh yeah it's something that people connect over and it's something that people use to help get them through the hard parts of life and so that's pretty important yeah I mean that's that's a that's a good way to word it. I never I never said that it's the most important thing that it's absolutely essential that everyone absolutely needs art to to get through day by day. But at the same time, like you know, you you said yourself the the 
the people that are struggling like they have music they have art to help them get through day by day stuff i mean it's it's rough and if we could if i could give everyone you know the, the bare essentials i would but for for the people that do have like it's certainly something that at least in my eyes helps them just get through simple day by day so i i think you yeah. probably put it in the best way possible <laughs> cool good to know that that's the case that's all the questions that i have um we've already showered you with a lot of praise but we're gonna do just a little bit more because it's our podcast um but i'm gonna let maria do it first because she's the one that introduced me to you i feel like it's proper for her to show shower you with love first oh i don't get to be uh i don't get to be last i had to be <laughs> <laughs> saved just for last no okay but but I will, um, in all seriousness, I, I'm so glad that um, I was introduced to your music and stuff, and especially the normal album as well. I know it says it gives me kind of like that nostalgic, like uh, 1950s feel and stuff like that. But, um, you know, whenever I listen to, uh, especially uh, I, me, and myself, uh, specifically, because uh, I grow up with... Uh, with the gender conformity kind of like you have to be this way you have to dress up this certain way you have to act this way and stuff and it's like it always like bugs me because it always feels like um it it always feels like um uh kind of like a my issue type of thing but whenever i listen to your music and stuff and especially uh that song along with memento uh mori I I get a sense of peace. Um, I get a sense of peace knowing that um, others uh, others just think that you know it's you know bullshit and just uh, just do you and just basically uh, live life until you know basically it ends. But what I'm trying to say is uh, through all it is rambling is that uh, thank you, Will Wood, for uh, being an amazing musician and an artist. And I can uh, I can go on and on all day of how amazing you are and stuff like that. But I'll leave the rest to Matt. But I will say thank you. You are amazing. And I cannot wait for what is next for you. Um, I'm just going to – sorry. I'm, thank you. That's right. I'm just going to say basically what Maria said is basically the same sentiments that I have. Um, she introduced me to you. Obviously I have been uh, just absolutely amazed with your body of work so far. And I absolutely love it. Um, every little bit of it. I, I appreciate how much I connect to it. And if this is what you're doing right now. I can only be nothing short of excited for what's next. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for being out there and as open as you are. And I really, I, I'm really, I'm really hoping that whatever is coming in the, you know, future, both short and long-term future is going to be amazing. So thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that guys. And I'm, I'm glad that you enjoy it uh, as much as you do. Do, so you have, so. do you have any final words before we sign off? Um, uh, buy my shirts <laughs> world. Buy my shirts. Uh, either really expensive ones. That's about it um uh buy my albums too buy the ones that are signed and stuff because those are also more expensive there you go. send me your money as there we go yeah there we go hell yeah i, I have my um, uh i have my cd of you over there so 
Hell yeah, man. Um, yeah, it's my, my, my really ultimately as an artist, the message I really want to send to the world is like, give me your money. <laughs> so. And I'll be sure to have the links down below so you can spend your money on Will Witt. <laughs> so, uh, Maria, do you have any final words before we sign off? Um, please give this man money. Uh, he works very hard, and uh, what he does is really great. Give him more money. Uh, go to his Patreon. There give him go. money. There you go. There you go. With that, all I have left to say is for the people at home, hasta luego, mi amigos. Yeah. For having me, guys. Thanks for listening to the Apocalypse Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, go to ApocalypsePodcastNetwork.com. And remember, every time you support one of our sponsors, you're supporting the podcast you just heard.